0: You are listening to Reach MD XM233 the channel for medical professionals. If you are tired of practicing treadmill medicine Doctors across the country have decided to jump off the fast track and use 21st century technology to recapture what Moore calls a Norman Rockwell style of practice. The official term for this approach is the ideal micropractice. Welcome to the business of medicine. I'm your host, Dr. Larry Caskell. Joining me today is Wayne Guyomo, who has been an award winning healthcare reporter with medical economics since 1995. He covers practice management, legal affairs, and health policy and writes the magazine's perspective column. Good morning, Wayne.
1: Hi, Dr. Kaskill. How are you?
0: I am well, thanks. Wayne, how did this whole idea of an ideal micropractice get started?
1: It had a strange kind of journey. It started with a doctor in Rochester, uh, Gordon Moore, a Rochester family physician, and he was practicing very much in the kind of primary care practice that you described, a full-schedule see patients, get them out the door, see the next patient, very much a treadmill kind of environment. And it just simply wasn't the kind of practice that he wanted. So he quit that practice and started uh, a solo practice on his own uh, with some state-of-the-art technology to help him out, basically uh, practicing out of one room with a waiting room. And Dr. Moore did something that, that actually caused this idea to spread beyond his own little practice. What he did was write two articles. The first article described his journey to the practice from the old-style practice. And the second article, written a year later, talked about his progress and how he was doing and whether his idea was actually going to work. And physicians started reading this and calling him up and saying, hey, you know, this sounds too good to be true. Uh, How did you do it? And tell me more. He did. Uh, he was invited to speak at uh, various uh, professional meetings and, you know, sort of like a disciple gathering his flock, uh, or physicians started uh, doing what he did.
0: So what, what is he doing that's different from a traditional primary care practice?
1: Well, a micro practice is, is very much what its name implies. It's, it's kind of a regular practice, miniaturized, if you will. It's low volume. Fewer patients than the the regular practice, even the regular solo practice, it is not uncommon, for example, for a micro practitioner to have a patient panel of three, four, five hundred patients and The reason these doctors can do that is that they have stripped the practice down to sort of its bare essentials. They might have a you know receptionist phone person, biller, scheduler, or they may not. Um, Often they'll just have a medical assistant. Uh, Some of them uh, have uh, a PA or a nurse practitioner. But a lot of what would be done by a support staff is done by an EHR or practice management software that enables the physician himself or herself to schedule appointments and to um, really cut down on support staff salaries, and because of that, they can have smaller patient panels, and because of the smaller patient panels, these doctors can really give the kind of one-on-one attention that most doctors practicing in a typical practice simply cannot do. It is not unusual, for example, for a micro-practitioner to to see patients' initial office visits that last, you know, an hour or 45 minutes.
0: It sounds like it's great for the patient, but the patient is losing some of the other services that the doctor's office may have had before. Extra testing, doing the billing for the patient, you're, you're really stripping it down, so you're just getting that time with the doctor.
1: You are getting the time with the doctor, and and I have to say in talking to uh, doctors uh, working in these kinds of environments that the patients don't seem to feel that they're losing anything. In fact, they seem to think they're gaining things because they have better access. For example, some of these doctors uh, are available to their patients 24-7. Patients have their cell numbers, so they can call them. there's open access. So if a patient wants an appointment on the same day and he or she can usually get it, Um, doctor's schedules are flexible. They leave time for the unexpected uh, call. It seems to be working out very well for the patients we talk to.
0: Wayne, it sounds to me like you're describing a concierge boutique practice where patients pay $1,500 fifteen hundred to three thousand dollars a year to be a member of. They have full access to the physician, they have time with the physician, but yet for some reason they don't have to pay that startup fee.
1: It's really a very good description of what these doctors have managed to do. It is very much like a concierge style practice without the uh without the fee. And again, um these doctors are able to do it because they're they're working with much, much smaller patient panels. They've cut their overhead expenses through the use of uh, technologies that take the place of uh, support staff. They believe in a kind of patient-doctor collaboration. So often patients will get assignments or they'll get reading matter, and they're expected to come in having read that. Doctors want the patients to be full participants in their care, and that seems to work out both for the patient and the doctor.
0: Have you seen any of these micro-practices join up with other micro-practices and create virtual worlds of micro-practices where they can actually share ancillary services?
1: Yes, uh, absolutely. Uh, The practitioners who are involved in sort of the idea of the micro-practice and talking about how it can work talk about a confederacy of micro-practices So, for example, if a practice needs uh, a patient education nurse, and a lot of that can be done by the telephone, as you know, well, that practice may only use the nurse one day a week. But if that practice uh, shares the expense of the nurse with other practices, micro practices in the area, or or for that matter, you know, outside of the area, that resource can become affordable for everyone. So that's one instance when the micro practice uh, can really leverage across several practices in order to afford a service.
0: I'm thinking about how I would respond to being in a micro practice and. I would be quite lonely without all the action. There's no nurses, there's no other physicians. It's uh it's just me and the patient alone in a room for an hour. It sounds like I'm practicing psychiatry.
1: Well, it 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 can get very intense and it's not for every physician and indeed it's not for every patient. We actually talked to a physician in Canandaigua, New York, Scott Clemenson, and some of his patients uh, actually chafe at some of the questions that Dr. Clemenson asks. Because he schedules uh, longer appointments, he can get into areas involving the patient's personal life and how he or she is doing at work that some of them find a little off-putting. And Dr. Clemenson is the first one to admit that he can't use that approach with every patient.
0: So if I was to start one of these ideal micro practices, what kind of income would I be looking at?
1: Well, that that is one of the drawbacks that we found in talking to uh, doctors practicing uh, throughout the country, that by and large, they were making less money than they would have in a comparable family practice or primary care practice.
0: Yet they're probably happier.
1: Well, that's the trade-off. They were happier, and not every doctor can afford to, to take a you know, 25 or 30 percent cut. But these doctors were willing to do that because they just needed to practice a certain style of medicine.
0: So it's, it's for the more idealistic physician who is truly into patient care and wants to get back to that kind of Norman Rockwell, Marcus Welby type of practicing medicine.
1: Very much so. Uh, as a matter of fact, there is one physician we talked to, uh, John Brady, who practices in Newport News, Virginia, who actually calls his practice the Village Doctor. Uh, that's the name of his practice, and, and certainly that sort of signifies the kind of practice he's, he's uh, trying to get back to.
0: Wayne, what do you see as some of the downsides besides uh, revenue decreases for being in a micropractice?
1: Well, startup costs can be high. If you need electronic health record, if you need practice management software, that that can be expensive. Uh, Some of that, you know, we talked about uh, resources shared by a confederacy of micropractices. But some of the costs, the startup costs, will be high. And because uh, a lot of these physicians are dealing with smaller panels, recouping those costs will take a longer time. So it is not unusual for the micro-practices to be working at something of a loss uh, during the first few years in practice. But that's something that doctors have to know going into it.
0: This is really a lifestyle choice.
1: This is very much a lifestyle choice. And, and again, I think it, it's not uh, coincidental that most of these doctors tend to like rural Regions where the cost of living its, itself is lower, and where a doctor really can get by on less income.
0: Wayne, you talked about this confederacy of micro practices. Are, are there any examples that we can look at currently?
1: Well, right now there are people, uh, John Wasson, Dr. John Wasson at Dartmouth, who is another one of the, if you will theoreticians uh, of micropractices and the idea of a micropractice. He is, uh, along with Dr. Moore that we talked about earlier, they are dealing with practitioners in micro practices who share not only resources, but share ideas and experience and also are essentially trying to form a network to help people going into these things. So we're in, again, a nascent stage of these things, but they hope those confederacies of micro practices will expand.
0: I wonder if the tendency of physicians and human beings to form networks will just take what is a good idea to have a micro-practice and once again create multi-specialty groups?
1: There's always that tendency. uh, Dr. Moore talks about uh, micro-teams. One of the criticisms that uh, has been lodged at this practice is that, uh, well, it's only for the solo practitioner. Dr. Moore says it it would not be impossible to have a series of micro-practices constituting micro teams, if you will, under the same roof. They would be self-administering. They wouldn't have a overall arching administration. And yet, because they were under the same roof, they would be able to share resources, ideas, and be able to, if necessary, uh, share personnel. And he thinks that may be the wave of the future for larger group settings of micro practices.
0: I want to thank our guest, Wayne Guilamo, who has been an award-winning healthcare reporter on medical economics since 1995. I'm Dr. Larry Caskel. You have been listening to The Business of Medicine on Reach MD XM 233 the channel for medical professionals. For comments and questions, send your email to xm at reachmd.com. Thank you for listening.